0: We are downtown, we are historic, we are family, we are scriptural, we are First Baptist Church. Amen. If you would, turn with me to your listening sheet. It has our reverse scripture for this week that we're going to read aloud together. It's Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. So if you would, stand with me and we'll read this aloud. This then is the text for today. And it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and he and his companions became hungry? how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And he also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, when you get to a passage like this week's reverse text, it's very easy to get sidetracked. There are lots of different places that we can go today. In fact, there's lots of great and wonderful things that we can learn and long trails that we could go down. We could get into the life of David and how Saul chased after him. We we could parse what it means to have daily bread from heaven. We could run down the rabbit hole of Sabbath regulations, and all of those detours would be delightful and they would be justified. It's like you're driving through the countryside and one road looks enticing and, and so does another and another. But as we work our way through this passage, we need to get to where we are going. We don't want to tarry too long on the side streets. In fact, we need to get to Jesus Christ as fast as possible. But on the way to Jesus, let's talk about the bread first. Bread plays a prominent role in Scripture. Bread sat in the temple. We pray for bread in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus used bread as a continual metaphor about who he was. But today, we see Jesus in, in the grain. We hear Jesus referencing the bread, but, but today he's not using it as an analogy. Jesus is talking about the very bread that we eat, and it's his disciples that day who are hungry, and they, they pick the grain as they're walking along on the Sabbath. They were hungry, and they ate. And you see, when, when they are, they're challenged here, doing this Jesus points them all back to 1st Samuel 21 and in that story in 1st Samuel 21 uh, David is running away from Saul because th- the kingdom is, is falling apart and falling into the hands of David and Saul is chasing him out of town and, and David is, is running to get away from that fight that was coming and, and David runs into God's house and he runs for protection in God's house. And, and as he comes into God's house, he's hungry and he asks for bread. Now, this seems innocent enough for somebody to run into God's house and ask for bread. Because they had bread. And what we know from this 1 Samuel passage is that the priests would bake 12 loaves of bread every week. They were large. They weighed about six pounds each. And so every week on the Sabbath, they would bring 12 loaves of bread and they would set it before God in the sanctuary. It was, it was the, the presence of God that was coming and felt in this bread that was baked. And, and as it goes in the Levitical law that we see in Leviticus, that each week when that bread was replaced, the priests were allowed to eat the bread. And that day, as David ran into the house of the Lord looking for something to eat, the priests had compassion and mercy on him and laid it before him and let David eat. You see as David was, was running from Saul he, he, he saw this terror behind him and as he saw the terror behind him he ran into the house of the Lord and God provided for him. God, God gave him the daily bread that he needed that day and this is just the kind of thing that God does. If you are God's child, you are forever taken care of. Even on the run God is with you and holding it together and providing for you and it doesn't matter where you're running from and it doesn't matter who you're running from. If if you're running into the arms of the Lord as a child of God, you will be taken care of and God will provide every single thing that you need. See, God knows what you need right now. God knows what what your life is about and where you're headed and God is gonna provide every single thing that you need. In fact, God's already set a course in motion so that everything that comes up along the way, God has already taken care of it. He's already provided for it. And so we don't, we don't worry about tomorrow because God has taken care of it. There's there's so many among us, though, who get caught up in the future and, and worried about what's next, and we're worried about what's becoming of the stock market, and we're worried about what's becoming of the country, but God has already seen it, and God's already seen it all, and God has already provided for it all. You see, those kinds of things don't set the course for your life. It is God alone who sets the course for your life. And God is going to set the course, and he's going to mark the way forward, and he's going to provide everything that you need every step of the way, your daily bread. And as we pray, it is provided each and every day. So this passage, it is about bread, but it's about much more than bread. You know, one of the constants that we see in Scripture is Jesus Christ Referring back to the text. Jesus Christ taking people back to the word of God, taking people back to the scriptures, that Jesus Christ knows the scriptures inside and out. Listen to how he challenges the Pharisees. Let's look at verse 25 of our reverse text, Mark 2, 25. And Jesus says to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and he and his companions became hungry? What Jesus does, whenever Jesus is challenged, he goes back to the word of God. He's mining the scriptures for truth and reality. And that's one of the things that we have to recognize. There's all kinds of voices around us, and there's all kinds of people speaking into our lives, and there's all kinds of agencies and organizations and groups that are speaking into our lives. But when we want to know truth, and when we want to find reality, it always comes back to the text. It always comes back to the word of God. And when Jesus Christ, is bringing out truth. He's setting it in the word of God. And whenever Jesus Christ is challenged, he's bringing people back to the word of God, scripture itself. You know, it's the same, same thing Jesus does when he's tempted in the wilderness by Satan. Jesus throws scripture at Satan and neutralizes the attack. You know, this is an excellent way for us to live out James 4, 7. Look with me, if you'll turn with me there to the book of James chapter 4 verse 7 submit therefore to God resist the devil and he will flee from you and into verse 8 draw near to God and he will draw near to you when we're faced with trial and temptation the best weapon that we have is the sword of truth in the scripture and Jesus is our example here you need to to know this book inside and out cover to cover and and when you know this book page in and page out you have the power of God ready in your mind you have the power and authority of God ready in your hands to meet the pharisees to meet any of satan's minions to meet any challenge this world throws at you The the answers are here. The way of life is in front of you and it has been set forth in the word of God. You know, there's a lot of people around us, even a lot of believers, who believe that if they could just come up with the right ritual, then everything will be okay. Or if they can just come up with the right formula of prayer, the, the right words to pray, then, then the, the, everything that needs to happen will happen. That they could stand in the face of trials and temptations. But the reality is you, you need more than that. We, we need a deep and lasting, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, and you can't come into that deep in relationship with God without knowing his word, without hiding his words in your heart. And let's, let's pause here for a minute because this is the best thing that we can do for our children is to help them hide these words in our heart. It's kind of like we were saying before, but parents and grandparents alike worry over the outside forces, the, the ways of the world, the ways of culture and how they press in on our children. And you know, one of our responses to that when, when it seems like the world is just pressing in too much on us it is to just sort of hunker down and shelter in place and try to just keep everything at bay. And and there's a time and there's a place for that. But the most important thing that we can do, because all of those trials are going to come and the world is always going to be pressing in. And the way that we fight back and the way that we push back is hiding the word of God in our heart. And the way that we set our children up for success, the way we set our grandchildren up to, to, to make it through this world is to help them know and hide the word of God in their heart. And if they know and hide the word of God in their heart, they are prepared and they are able to handle anything that this world throws at them what we need to recognize is in the spirit the word of God is all that we need and the same thing for your children and your grandchildren and your family and the people around you what they need is not to shelter in place what they need is the word of God imprinted on their hearts tattooed onto their minds so that anytime troubles come or trials come the word of God is is on their lips and spoken in truth it is what we need, and it's what we hold dear. You see, when, we fill, when we're filled up with the word of God, we know power. But without the word, we're powerless. With the word, the victory is ours. And so, so don't give up on the scripture. This is our truth for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And what we know is that long after we are gone, the word of God will still be holding our children and our grandchildren up. The best way to prepare for the battles that are ahead is to know the word of God inside and out. And so we see that in this reverse text for this week, it it reveals the power of scripture. But it's about more than scripture. You know, if you ask those that were challenging Jesus that day, what this text is about, they would say it's about the Sabbath. And more literally, they would say this is about Exodus 20, verse 11. And in Exodus 20, verse 11, it requires that you do no work on the Sabbath. And that's the tension here. The Pharisees argue that Jesus didn't take this seriously enough, that Jesus didn't live this commandment out fully. They argued that, that he didn't take what it needed to, to take Sabbath rest seriously. And for them, it was so serious that they worked really hard at not working on the Sabbath. In fact, there, there's, there's very little direction on how to define no work in the Scriptures. Now, there's a couple of things here and there. You see a couple of times in Scripture where it talks about what to do and what not to do on the Sabbath, but These Pharisees love to take the definition of no work and find tight and exhaustive ways to to define this. In fact, they they loved it. They loved to argue about what this could be and what this could look like. And so they came up with all kinds of rules to set the stage for no work on the Sabbath. You know, such as, you've probably heard this before, that on the Sabbath you can only travel about 0.6 miles in one direction. And and interestingly enough, that that actually doesn't start from just where you set foot out, but that rule says it starts 112 feet outside your community. So what you do is you've got your community wherever you live, and you have to mark out 112 feet out, and then once you get 112 feet out, now you can go about .6 of a mile, and then you can come back, and then you're not working on the Sabbath, but there were, there were lots more. Like we were talking earlier, you, you, um, if you lifted a lamp, that was working on a Sabbath. In fact, if you poured a glass of milk, That was working on the Sabbath. You can't bite your fingernails because, yes, biting your fingernails is working on the Sabbath. In fact, you can't even stretch out your hand to receive something from someone else because if you stretch out your hand to receive something from someone else, that is working on the Sabbath. What the Pharisees loved to do, they couldn't wait to find something else that you couldn't do on the Sabbath. They loved finding something else that you couldn't do. In fact, they would define just about anything possible as work. You see, the Pharisees love to, to burden people with these kinds of restrictions. And that, that, that sentiment was multiplied on the Sabbath. And so when they see Jesus' disciples come and pick a head of grain, they're going to let Jesus have it. How could Jesus be the Son of God if he doesn't take the Sabbath seriously? Now, the reality is, and we know this looking back on it, Jesus honored the Sabbath. Jesus observed the Sabbath every week. He did take it seriously. Jesus honored the Sabbath exactly as God had called. They were just mad that Jesus didn't bring all the restrictions they wanted. They had lots of other things they wanted Jesus to impress on his disciples, and Jesus wouldn't do it. He wasn't going to impress on his disciples what they wanted. Jesus saying, we're, we're going to live out what God has called us to, and we're going to live it faithfully just as God called us to. And you know, we do this as well. We, we, there are lots of things that we want Jesus to judge. There's lots of people we want Jesus to judge. There's lots of things we want Jesus to answer. There's lots of things that we want Jesus to take seriously that it feels like Jesus is not taking as seriously as we take it. You know, we have our pet projects and and our our things that we're about and and we take those and we place them on Jesus and we expect Jesus to just jump at our demands. Jesus, why don't you take this more seriously? Jesus, why don't you answer this prayer? Why don't you answer this question? And the reality is Jesus never jumps at our demands. And this is what we need to understand this morning. If you find yourself taking something much further than Jesus took it, You you don't need to complain about what he's doing and where he is. You need to come back to Jesus Christ because he is the center. He is the word. He is the life. He is the Messiah. And so we come back and we fall at his feet whether we run too far this way or we run too far that way. He's not gonna just be chased back to where we are. We need to come and fall at the feet of Jesus Christ. Now I do wanna pause here for a moment and, and consider these Pharisees because what they're doing, they they are trying to take the fourth commandment seriously. They're they're trying to honor God in their obedience. But what ends up happening is they try to honor God in their obedience. They go way too far with it. They go way over here and go much further than God intended it to be. Because God intended the Sabbath to be a day of worship and a day of rest every week. You, You need worship and you need rest every week. And when we don't have rest and we don't have worship, we're we're worse for it. And and God was setting this forth even in creation from the beginning of scripture that, that creation needs rest and creation needs worship and God prepared a day for that very thing. Because you need it in your life. And sometimes your flesh pushes back. Sometimes your flesh just says, I don't need worship this week. I don't need rest this week. But God says, you absolutely do. The creator said, this is the way it works. You need worship. You need rest. You need me intimately. You see, the, the difficulty is, as we study this and we study this in the Old Testament and then we see what the, the New Testament has to say about Sabbath, we usually go the other direction. The, the Pharisees run way too far with it, take it way too seriously, go over the top with it. Then we, we usually go the other way. We're, we, we don't ever even consider it. You know, they're trying to get it, they're trying hard to get it right. And, and usually uh, we see believers that just don't want to wrestle with it at all that don't want to think about what it means to not work on the Sabbath. We don't care what it means and we're missing out. Let me invite you this morning to come back to Jesus Christ and decipher what no work means. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. And you know, that gets us to the heart of this passage. That that gets us to the main idea. That gets us to where we need to be this morning. That gets us into the presence and the hope of Jesus Christ because this this whole passage of bread and Scripture and Sabbath is ultimately about Jesus Christ. In fact, if you look with me, look at the last verse of, of our reverse text this week, Mark 2, verse 28. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now Jesus is making a mighty claim here. He's saying that, that he is divine, that he is the word of God, that he is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament, that he is the fulfillment of scripture, that there is a new covenant in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. He's saying here, you, there's no restrictions that you can put on the Christ. He is God incarnate. And if ever we are struggling, we run to the Lord. Just like David ran to the house of the Lord. If ever we are struggling, if ever we are feeling overwhelmed, we run into the house of God and Jesus Christ will be there to meet us and pull us out and make things right. Jesus is the one who has all of the answers, the Word of God Himself. Every question that you have about this life is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not in ritual. It, it's, it's not just in saying the right things. It's about a deep and abiding relationship with our Lord and Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus himself. And you know what we recognize? Just like David running in to see God that day and to be fed by the bread, Jesus has promised that he's going to provide exactly what you need when you surrender unto him. That's the question for us this morning. Are are you ready to submit to Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life? And that's where this this last verse is headed. Will you answer yes to Jesus this morning? Will you say to Jesus Christ, your servant is listening. I am with you, I am here, and I will follow you wherever you lead. What, What you see in this text, Jesus is saying, the Sabbath has already surrendered to Jesus Christ. Now, the Pharisees didn't know it. They they didn't know that the Sabbath had surrendered, but Jesus Christ was already in control. And and you may not know it yet this morning, but Jesus Christ is already in control of all of it that that seems like it's so wild and so foreign. Jesus is in control of all of it and everything that we face. And so what we have to recognize this morning is there is a choice before us. Are you going to fight Jesus and challenge Jesus and push back on what he's teaching, or are you going to surrender to him this morning? Because we have this example of the Pharisees all through the text where every time Jesus comes before them and he shows them the truth, they just push back with another challenge. It just seems like week after week, they just keep challenging Jesus and pushing back, and they're going to keep him at arm's length as long as they possibly can. And so is that going to be where you are? Is that where you're going to live your life in that constant challenge of truth and constant challenge of Jesus Christ? Because Let me tell you, it's going to fall apart and fall apart quickly. The only place that we find life and hope and provision is when we surrender to Jesus Christ. And so what is it in your life that you haven't surrendered to him this morning? How haven't you surrendered to the Christ? Will we give it up for him? Will you give it up for the sake of our Lord and our Savior? Let's pray together. Lord, we know that there have been many times in our lives where we have behaved just like these Pharisees. Even after coming to know you where we have challenged you where we have pushed back on your truth, where we have denied your word. And Lord, this morning, we pray that you would forgive us. Lord, would you hear our confession? Recognize our repentant hearts and forgive us. Lord, forgive us of of every time that we have challenged you. Lord, forgive us for not bowing our knee and surrendering unto your throne. And Lord, as we confess before you, we pray that your spirit would come in a mighty way. And Lord, that your spirit would show us a way forward that's pure and holy. That's the way of the Christ. Lord, and we, we admit, we, we don't know what all of this means. But Lord, we fall down before you. And we surrender our lives. And we give you control. Lord, we're we're not going to fight for control anymore. But we're going to recognize you are the Lord. That we are yours. It's in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.